0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org.
1: All right, well, good morning, guys. Great being with you this morning. Um, years ago, I was down in Dallas Seminary getting some education, and uh, I just kind of, the story reminds me of just the challenge of parent, how parenting is really hard work. Uh, my wife and I went, lived in Dallas for a time period, and I was attending Dallas Seminary uh, my kids were just about two years old at the time. I think we've got a picture of them. There they are, there's little Sam right there and my other daughter Riley, they're twins. And it's, uh, twins can be, if you have twins or know about twins, twins can be double trouble at times. Uh, my wife had left the afternoon to do some errands. She put me in charge, uh-oh, she put me in charge. I'm, dad's on duty, kids are there. They, they know how to walk. They can barely kind of talk, but they're talking a little bit. Wife leaves. She's heading out uh, for the afternoon. I'm there. I'm sitting on the couch. I get up off the couch. I go outside. I say, hey, Sam, hey, Riley, I'm going to go check the mail. I'll be right back. Famous last words, I'll be right back. So I go out the door, left the door cracked open, go out to the mailbox. The mailbox is seriously maybe... Ten yards, fifteen yards at the end of the dry or the, the the curb. There, go out there, grab the mail, walking back, kind of tired, kind of kind of moving slow. Um, and then I hear some giggle, and then all of a sudden I get to the door and the door slams. I say, "Hey, hey, hey, hey!" Next thing I hear is, and I said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, 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 that's not funny." Unlock the door, and then I hear him, hey, hey, hey!" They're giggling. And then uh, I said, okay, okay, unlock it. And then seriously, they sit there and they cannot unlock that door. And I say, hey, you need to unlock that door, guys. Come on, come on. This isn't funny. And then the next thing you know, I'm standing there. This is three to five minutes to go by. I'm starting to get a little nervous thinking, I hope Leslie doesn't come home. I'm locked out of the house. She's going to say, good job, dad. Uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, now I can't see my kids and now I can't hear their voices. I hope they're okay. So for a moment, I was playing it cool, reading the mail, like, okay, come on, unlock the door. Now I'm getting a little irritated, getting a little frustrated. Come to find out they just couldn't open the door for whatever reason. They just, they just, little fingers couldn't do it. At least that's what they tell me to this day. Um, so I go around the side of the house. I look in the house, and I can see them running around. And at that time, you know, Sam's sucking his thumb right there, and he has this little binky, and I can see him running around the house. He's running around the house with his little binky. And uh, I say, hey, Sam, 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 come over here. You got to unlock the door. Let's go to the back. So we go to the back. He can't unlock the door for whatever reason. He can't unlock it. I was sitting there, and now I'm getting a little nervous. Time is ticking. Clock is going by. And Riley is uh, the little more mischievous one at the time. And Sam's kind of like the just follow the rules kind of kid. So Sam keeps coming to me all the time, giving me kind of play by play. He would come out and be like, Riley's blah, 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 Doing a little gibberish thing. And then he would walk away, and I'd see him in the hallway look, and then he'd look at me and go, Uh-oh. And I'm like, what is the uh oh? What's going on in there? What's going on, Sam? Next thing I know, Sam says to me, Riley's in the bathtub. And I'm like, she's what? And he's like, in the bathtub. And he's just <laughs> sucking his thumb. And I say, Sam, listen, you, this is not good. Uh, tell Riley to come here. And time goes by, more time goes by. I'm thinking, bathtub's on. And Riley had a little reputation of, like with water and bathtubs at the time. The long time, when they were just real little, we'd give them baths together, we'd come in and Riley was playing King of the Mountains, sitting on Sam in the the bathtub. And so it's like, it's kind of getting scary. So I start to panic, don't know what to do. I look around me and I'm like, I gotta get in the house. So I look down on the ground, there's this brick and I think, I'm just gonna throw a brick through the window. You know, because I mean, my kids matter more. And now I'm afraid I'm, we, could, we could get a drowning child here. So I'm thinking, Lord, where is my wife? And you're thinking, why didn't you have a cell phone? I didn't have a cell phone at the time. I went off the grid three years, Dallas Seminary, just focused on getting my master's programs knocked out. So I didn't have a cell phone. I'm sitting there. I say, forget it. And I yell at Sam, Sam, get back, get back. Because Riley's nowhere to be found. So I say, I'm throwing the brick. And I throw it, Sam looks around in the house and goes, uh-oh. So then I, I, I'm about to get into the window after I clear out the glass. And then all of a sudden, I hear my wife just pull up. <laughs> the garage opens. I'm like, oh, shoot. She says, what happens? I go through the whole story. And then we spend the next day or two, you know, with money we didn't have, time we didn't have, energy we didn't have. And together, we patch together. Uh, fixing the window, working with the kids. Thankfully, everybody was safe and everybody was okay. Let me hit pause for a moment. Imagine if you're a single parent. Imagine you're a single mom. Imagine you're scraping by to get through. You're trying to put yourself through school to get a higher education so you can get a higher income, trying to provide for your kids. No husband's there. Two kids are being kids. Lock you out. There you're stuck alone with the kids waiting for somebody to come, nobody's coming because you're a single mom. That's the story of so many American households today. Right now, uh, single parents uh, have doubled in the last 10 years. Single parents are just parents who parent alone. And that rate is rising. Over the last 10 years, we've seen that number double in America. Of all single parents and families in the US, single mothers actually make up the majority. So the most of the families that are uh, split up, it's mothers trying to run the household, trying to be the provider, the protector, trying to help uh, nurture the needs, provide and do all that. And single parenting happens. Why? Because there's a divorce maybe, maybe there's a death, maybe there's uh, one spouse decided to desert the other one and just leave them. One out of every three children in America right now are living with an unmarried parent. These are moms that are maybe a little afraid to get married, but they invite their boyfriend to live into the house, and this is a pretty normal epidemic these days. And the challenge with that is that the child is struggling to navigate, who is my dad? Uh, The mother may be wanting to have a committed relationship, but the man, for whatever reason, doesn't want to commit. But children are in great need and single parents are in great need. And so I want to speak to you about what does God's word have to say about all that. Um, God cares a lot about single parents. God cares a lot about people that are, are in need of help. What we look at in Deuteronomy chapter 24, we see God's call to his people to help those in need. And this would absolutely include single parents. Uh, the Lord uh, challenged the nation of Israel to act like a people of a blessing, to be a care for those that were socially par- powerless. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. And therefore I command, it's uh, a command you to do this. To do what? Verse 19, when you reap your harvest in your field and, for- and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. This is a command. This is a command so that the, the people that were, had enough food, had enough provision, that they would leave some for people that were on the outskirts of community, the outcasts, the down and the needy. I think of biblically a story of a blended family of Ruth, Naomi, um, and Ruth is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. They leave their land, they hit hard times, and they, they travel to Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem, and by God's grace, it was barley harvest. And the Christian business leaders in that community um, obeyed this command to make sure that when there was food left over in the crops, that folks that were the single parents, the blended families, the widows, the orphan children would have enough food. It wasn't just a handout. It was a hand up to give them the opportunity to collect the resources that they needed to sustain. And God's blessing is on this. As, As we, as a church, reach out and share and show the love of Christ to people in need, it's a, it, God continues to bless that obedience. As a church, we can show the love of Christ by helping others. In Matthew five sixteen, Jesus said this, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, your Father, who's in heaven. When we decide to join with God in his heart, and how he cares for those that are in need, single parents and uh, kids that don't have a dad, maybe. We're showing the love of Jesus Christ. It's like a light. The church is and ought to be a lighthouse. The Christian is and ought to be, even more so, a light to shine into the darkness and to give help. And by doing so, we're showing the love of Jesus Christ. I think of a story of a, a single mom in our church she says, she says this, she says, I'd like to share with you about how much I appreciate the church family at North Valley. You guys rallied around me since the very first day I moved here in September of 2016, literally. North Valley Community Church was, has given me support in a number of ways. Let me just name a few, she says. I remember when Justin came over and he painted my house and fixed my toilet. I remember when Ray showed up and helped fix a leaky sprinkler pipe, or when Bob came over and he measured the door and ordered it and installed two new sliding screen doors for me. She says, and Beth, she reached out to me during the Super Bowl, invited me over to watch the game, and even allowed me to cheer for the Seahawks. (laughs) Why did you do that, Beth? (laughs) Just joking. They're all from Washington, so that's what you, you know. But by the way, Seahawks aren't even real birds, by the way cardinals are the real birds. Just saying. She says, uh, you know, going on, and Nancy referred me to a dentist. And then there are all the friendships that I've, I've had uh, through my neighborhood group, Bible studies and other events. The loves, the hugs, the prayers, greatly appreciated. Thank you, North Valley family, for being so willing to serve others. Love, DeVita. You know, isn't that cool? Can we celebrate that? Thank you guys for loving people. You know, I, I asked her, I said, hey, what would you recommend to maybe other single parents out there that feel disconnected? She said the very first thing is get connected. That's what you need to do, get connected. Well, what I wanna encourage you is, you know, over the years is I've worked with uh, uh, junior high, high school kids. I was a youth pastor for 10 plus years before starting this church. And I remember there were times when I'd meet up with kids and one kid in particular, a kiddo by the name of Taylor, he, his dad divorced his uh, his mom and left Taylor kind of uh, struggling to figure out how to grow up as a junior high boy. And uh, I put my arm around Taylor and I remember telling him these kind of truths. I would say, Taylor, you need to know that even your dad was a dirtbag because he was a dirtbag. I said, even though your dad was a dirtbag, your heavenly father's not. This is a powerful truth for every single one of us, especially for kids that maybe don't have a dad. You need to know this, Psalm 68 5 says that God is the father to the fatherless. God won't leave you, God will help you, and God will delight in you. I remember Taylor saying to me things like, you know, um, I always wish my dad would come back. I always kind of, when I was coming home, I was hoping his pickup truck was in the driveway, but it never was. I remember Taylor saying stuff to me like, you know, um... When my dad does show up, I always find myself working a little extra hard so that maybe he'll accept me because somehow he believed that it was his fault why his mom and dad got the divorce. You know, you need to hear this incredible gospel message, not only for the single parent, but for all Christians, that God is a father to the fatherless. Some of you might have lost your dad and you feel a little bit alone. There's some kind of void. God won't leave you. God will help you, and God will delight in you. The great news about, you know, who God is is that he's like a good father that you don't have to earn his love. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to try to somehow get his good graces. You get his good graces through the work of Jesus Christ. So the question comes, okay, Ryan, I've heard that. I hear some biblical truth here. But give me some practical advice on what I should do as a single parent. Number one, the first thing I'd say is make Jesus number one. If you go through a divorce, you go through a spouse deserts you, or you lose a spouse, the very most important thing that you've got to do is make Jesus the number one relationship in your life. The worst thing you could do as a single parent is to run out and to rebound the relationship super, super fast. You need to let Jesus do the heart work to make you whole, to make, help you to understand that you are loved by God, cherished by God. You are confident. You are strong. You are in Christ. Make Jesus number one. Secondly, I encourage you, like we heard from uh, Davida earlier, is just get connected. Another story is a, of a single mom wrote this, his neighborhood group was my lifeline when I was going through a divorce I found myself looking forward to this time every single week if you're going through this as a single parent and you're doing life alone you can't do that God didn't design you to do that get connected thirdly I'd say for a single parents good advice would be is just refuse the false ideas of self the devil will come to dece- deceive you and deter you by working against your identity He'll say things like, you're a victim, the whole world's against you, you're a martyr, or even worse, you're a superhero, do everything by yourself, don't get help from other people. And even what the church has perpetuated and embarrassed to say is that somehow you may fall to the, the, the thinking, the faulty notion that you are a second-class citizen. Let me hear, let me explain to you, single parents and those that have been divorced or gone through that, you're not second-class. You're not at all second class. The Bible says that you're made in the image of God. The Bible says that you're created uh, to share and to show the love of Christ, that you are created for a purpose, that you, God has a plan for your life. And you're like every other Christian that is highly loved and accepted for who you are in Christ. So reject those false ideas of self. And then uh, fourthly, I just say don't compromise. Don't jump into a relationship too fast. Don't jump into a relationship too fast. One single parent emailed me this week knowing I was preaching this message and I'm preaching this message because you guys responded. It was really just a shorter uh, message series and you guys said, hey, will you teach on single parenting, blended families? And I added adoptive families. I said, sure I would. One single parent emails me and says, how do I balance only seeing my child on the weekends? That was one of the questions. How do I balance only seeing my child on the weekends? Uh, this individual only sees their child um, uh, maybe Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday. And my response would be as well, Monday through Friday, for all you single parents that don't have custody of your children, I'd encourage you to set a, cha- a schedule to talk with your kiddo through the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you figure it out. But you make a schedule and a commitment so there's expectation. The last thing this kiddo needs once the family's been split up is inconsistency, false promises, false hopes, and they can lead to utter discouragement, despair, and depression. But set a schedule, maybe text, maybe FaceTime. Technology's opened the door for so many ways to connect. And maybe Friday through Sunday, my encouragement to this mom would be is to be incredibly intentional. Sometimes the hardship can form and make it incredibly helpful to make it even richer and better. But be very intentional, plan ahead of what you're going to do with your kiddo on the weekends that you do have them. Well, that's just one of the questions, and I'll come and address more of those as we go along. But I want to encourage you as we look ahead is, uh, is to take your next step. Maybe one of these points have, have really um, encouraged you or challenged you. I'd encourage you to put that into action. When it comes to single parents, single parents oftentimes don't stay single and they get remarried. And that's when you get blended families. Blended families, or they've been called step families, are families where at least one parent has a child um, that are not their biologic, they're not biologically related to. Um, you've seen the Brady Bunch, probably. That's a false notion of how easy family can be when you're coming together. Uh, blended families are literally, they, uh, one way to think about it is, is you, you add a bunch of values, add a bunch of experiences, and you put them in a the blender and you press, you know, uh, sh- uh, milkshake or whatever, and it just blends everything together. It's pretty challenging to do. Research says that one out of every three Americans is either a, a step-parent, a step-child, or has some other form of a blended family in some way. That's a lot of blended families in American culture. Um, Most of the time when I'm actually uh, doing weddings, um, it's pretty often in my experience here in Phoenix is about one third of all the weddings in America, this is true, uh, today form blended families. Here's the challenge of this, is oftentimes the kids will act like everything's okay. Then you get married, then that's fine, and then you move in. That's when the real challenge happens. Parents, let me talk to you just for a moment for those of you that have blended families. Blended families generally is a plus or a gain for the adults and a loss for the kids. Because why? You say, why? Well, because the kids have a biological father and a biological mother that are separated. And they're trying to figure out in the heart of their hearts, they would like to have dad and mom together if at all possible. And so it's a challenge. Every day in the United States, it's estimated that 2,100 blended families will form. What you need to know is these kids are absolutely crucial and they're very, very important to the process of a blended family. And you need to have a theological understanding that kids make up a great deal of value in estimation in God's heart and God's mind. Jesus said this about kids in Matthew 18, 1 through 5. He teaches us that Jesus loves kids. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. And he said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is great is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. You know what Jesus was saying? He's saying that children are great in the kingdom of heaven because of their humble faith and trust in the Lord. Jesus uses them as an example. Kids are an incredible value for ever, or even our understanding of what it means to be a Christian, because their humble faith and trust in the Lord serves as an example. Of being the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. My encouragement to you is not only realize the value that Jesus places on kids as a blended uh, family or in parents, but uh, is realize that the church itself is described in the New Testament as a blended family. Look at Ephesians three fourteen through twenty one. The Apostle Paul describes the church by calling it a family he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. He's praying. He says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts and through faith, you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth When you travel around and you go to different churches, you see different churches of different sizes. You see churches of different uh, folks and different ethnicity groups. Oftentimes, the church is one gigantic blended family. And the beauty of the church is, is the uniqueness of the diversity and the unity that we can come together in. The church is a blended family. So what about some advice for blended families? As challenging as it may be for those of you that are coming into the marriage with a kid um, and you're marrying another person who's not biologically related to that child, as challenging as it is, you must put your spouse before the kids. That comes across as very hard and challenging. I understand that. I really do. Um, I've sat with so many people over the years and said, I can't do that. That's a very normal response. But I would caution any parent and say, listen, the way God structured a family is he's called a man and a woman to join together in a covenant marriage. And that marriage is the very foundation for the family. If you erode that or put somebody before that, you are going to destroy that. There needs to be mega amounts of grace applied all through the process. And so I'm gonna help you understand how to do that and to give grace in the process of learning how to put your spouse before the kids. I would say this to every family, blended families particularly, is that you need to be a crock pot, not a blender. Um, A crock pot cooks everything really, really slow. A blender puts everything together and presses blend super fast, and things can explode out the top unless there's a really tight concealed lid. A crock pot would be like, say, you you know, a couple comes together and they get married and the dad says, you know, I'd really like for your son or your daughter to call me dad. And the wife responds and says, well, he's not biologically your father. A crockpot mentality would say, okay, he can call me Billy or whatever. And maybe over years, he will choose to call me dad. That's a crockpot mentality. A blender mentality would be, your son needs to call me dad now. It's an issue of respect. As soon as you do that, you are forcing something to become something that it really is not. As hard as that may be you're really, in essence, blending up and destroying his understanding of a biological father. You're saying, dismiss that and now accept this new dad. A crockpot mentality will go slow with family time. I heard a story of a, a guy who said on Saturdays when the kids came to our house we would split up our family and I would take my biological children for leisure time and go have activities. And then she would take her biological kids and go do the activities. And they had their bio mom and bio dad time together or or apart for two years before they came together and started doing activities together as a family. That's a crockpot mentality. A blender mentality would say, it's Saturday. All the kids have to do what we say. They must do activities together. And you know what the kid's saying? I just want time with my mom. I just want time with my dad. I I don't even know this new family. I don't even understand this new family. And I'm forced into this. We need is a heart of patience, a heart of kindness, a heart that says, Lord, I love this kid but I need time. Heard a story about a dad that got discouraged. He gave three months to his 12 year old stepdaughter and said, I'm going to act like her dad and love her and lead her and do everything I can to be her dad and worked at it really hard for three months. And after the three months, he said, you know what? Forget it. She doesn't want to listen to me. She doesn't want to accept me as a new parental figure in her life. I'm done. And then uh, tragically, he loses the opportunity had he just accepted the role and say, I'll take a crockpot mentality and I'll give it two years, not just three, two to three months and accepted the reality that kids need time. So I wanna encourage you if for blended families is don't uh, take up, take up the mindset, uh, crockpot the idea of being a mom or dad. Let that take time. Crockpot the idea of family time. Let that go slowly. Crockpot the idea for holidays and birthdays and events. It may take years and that's okay. That's okay. So what should you do? I'd encourage you when trouble hits incredibly hard, I'd encourage you to have an emergency plan. This is for really every family, but especially blended families because you have more challenges. It's just the way it is. Accept it for what it is. Have an emergency plan. Where are you gonna go to when there's a major disagreement between uh, the two spouses? Where do you go? Is there a friend? Maybe that's gone through that before that could help encourage you and counsel you. Look for godly uh, uh, leaders or people or couples that can help navigate you through this. I mean, for Leslie and I, as 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 a Christian man and a Christian woman, we just made a commitment on the front end I said, hey, I'm a little jacked up. She says, I'm a little jacked up. We call ourselves the redeemed rebels, the redeemed renegades that got saved by Jesus out of a life of sin and shame and misery, bad life before. And we had a lot of baggage as we brought into our marriage. We just said on the front end, how about we just commit to getting wise counsel every time we have a problem when we can't solve it ourselves?" So to this very day, I have a group of individuals i go to when I have a conflict, I can't work it out. And we get help. There's no shame in that as a blended family, you've got to have an emergency plan. This is what we do when we hit a hard time and we don't know how to resolve our conflicts. Have an emergency plan. And then lastly, I just say, try your best with a crockpot mentality to love your child like your own. But love doesn't force things. Love is patient. Love is kind. You've got to be incredibly patient with the kids that you're Uh, stepping in. And for maybe a season, you're playing a loving friend to that child. Then maybe the next step would be is you become to them like an uncle or an aunt. And then maybe over years and years, you become like the father or the mother. But with blended families, you got to take that step. Often in blended families as well, um, you'll see that there are adoptive families uh, my, my wife and I, you could say in some shape or form or fashion, we have a, a blended family. We are, we have a, we're an adoptive family. I'll show you a picture of, of Maya um, and my family. But uh, adoptive families parent at least one child that is not biologically their own. So Maya was adopted here, right here in the Phoenix Valley. She's a precious kiddo. Um, literally, her story is that she was rescued out of significant trouble and harm and uh, it's an honor and a privilege. Maya has biological brothers and sisters, a biological mom and a biological dad, and I've met all of them. I've done life with them. Um, It's a pretty interesting experience, but we've had from time to time family gatherings and where um, her siblings and, and their new foster parents or adoptive parents come together It's kind of comical. Um, One is a a devout, devout Mormon family. Um, Then we have a same-sex couple, family that adopted one of their siblings. And then there's the evangelical pastor. So it just makes for a great afternoon (laughs) to go have that little lunch. Uh, But in the mix of it, isn't that life? isn't, Isn't that real life? At North Valley, I want you to know, Real life for real people. Um, Maya is a precious kid. There's eighteen thousand children, eighteen thousand Mayas in Arizona that need to be adopted. Um, this is a blended family. Um, God calls us to visit the orphan kids. James 1.27. The um, apostle James writes this: Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I was asking myself, what does visit really mean? How do we do that? It's a big challenge. The word means, visit means to care for, to look after, with the implication of continuous responsibility. So how can we do that as a church if you don't adopt a kid or whatever? I think you can at least do it in your prayer life, in giving, but there needs to be some contact Um, I'm encouraged to say, as a church, you guys responded generously. I came to you before school started in the Valley, and I just said, hey, there's a group home nearby. Group homes are like modern-day orphanages in many ways. I said, there's 11 girls in that group home. Uh, We've we've contacted and we're working with the social worker that organizes and manages some of these group homes. I said, is there anything we can do to help the girls as they get ready for school, going up to, to one of the public schools in the area? She said, yeah, a lot of them are going to school their first day with not enough supplies. So we came to you and we said, hey, church, would you guys help meet all the needs of the kids that have, need all these school supplies, clothing, shoes, all that? And did you know with just in a few hours of opening that up online, you guys gave exceedingly more than all that we needed? Can we celebrate that? Great job on that. You know what the coming years hold for North Valley? I hope, you know, the Lord would use me and this church to share and show the love of Christ to the kids that need us the most, the, the, the hopeless children that have no hope apart from some kind of intervention of a family member or somebody that either they get reconciled and the family comes back together or a loving uh, a, a person, adoptive parent would intervene into their life. So what I want to do in our um, closing time is I want to share with you a story and then uh, share with you also a a video testimony. But the story is this, is uh, years ago I was, uh, when Maya was just a little kid, I mean she came to us when she was about, I think 16 months old. And she came out of a very uh, traumatic experience out of the home. And literally when I would approach her she would kind of back off and back away and she didn't want anything to do with me. It was kind of alarming for me as a dad because I wanted to be close and love my child, this new child that we adopted. And she would literally run away and stick her face in a corner and hide from me. And uh, so Leslie told me, Ryan, she's gone through a lot of trauma. You need to give her space, gave her a lot of space. Her face, when you would look at her when we first got her, it looked almost... It sounds so terrible, but it, there was a hollow look to her, her, her well-being. She, she looked like she was there, but she wasn't there. And I was worried that maybe she had a lot more problems than we thought. And I remember after about six to nine months of having her and loving on her consistently day by day and giving her the space that she needed and Leslie loving on her so well, I was out walking around and I had little Maya's hand and we were walking down the street and my neighbor stops me and she says, your daughter looks so different. Uh, what, What did you do? And I said, love changes things. Without hesitation, I said it like that. I just said, Love changes things. I said, All we did was love her. That's all we did. And literally, her well being changed. Like, she just looked brighter, happier. And that's the reality of it. That old song, That's the power of love. You know what I'm saying? So, that didn't go so well with you guys. <laughs> That's what I should just say. Uh, You know, I wish I would have said that. You always wish you could rewind your interaction sometimes. I could have said that to my neighbor. That's the power of love. That would have been awesome. But anyway, so I want to encourage you in adoption is think about witnessing the power of love. That's the joy of it. That's the fruit of it. That's the experience of it. And then in that, I've had the joy. I've done a lot of ministry things of married people, officiated weddings, uh, baptisms, memorial services, all that. But one of the greatest joys I've had is extending the love of the father to my little girl. It's just like, it's an amazing experience thinking that God planned it and purposed it to come to Phoenix and intervene into this little kiddo's life and get to love him. That's powerful. Well, in closing, I wanna share with you this testimonial video from our friends at Christian Family Care. This is the agency that we adopted Maya through. Check out this testimony of a family and their adoption experience.
0: There's a lot of kids out there that just need love, they just need a parent, they just need someone to trust. October 2014, we were in a service where they um, preached on looking after the orphans and the widows.
1: The fact that there's not even room in the group homes or the shelters for them just really I think to me at least said hey there's a real need and you really need to do something.
0: So these are um, the prayer journals that I started in 2008 and we were thinking about the possibility of adopting a child. The amazing thing is that I would have started these right when Amira was um, inside her mommy's stomach.
1: Your heart breaks for the biological parents even though you know it's not a good situation uh, for Amira and you leave from that and you're you're emotionally exhausted and then you come home and you just think well, here's this little seven-year-old girl how emotionally exhausted must she be you know knowing that that's going on uh, at the same time and you just think about the loss that she must feel and that's why we we thought well we better do something to really make sure that she feels like super included
0: Brad came up with a brilliant idea that we would propose to her. Brad got to propose on behalf of our family to Amira. Uh, Would you like us to adopt you and will you adopt us? Was the question and of course she said yes and everybody cheered. Because Jesus accepts me as his child, he's adopted me into his family and we're heirs with Christ. Because of that, that motivates us.
1: You know, one of the powerful truths in this parenting series that I hope that you walk away with is that we are parented by God. You may have had a distant father, maybe in your life, and you kind of longed for that, uh, a good dad in your life. Well, the good news is, is that we have a heavenly father that loves us tremendously as a church. And out of that great love of seeing our heavenly father is a great father, the church family and all its challenges and all of its uniquenesses is being brought together and strengthened. And so we're gonna sing a song called Good Father. I wanna invite the worship team up and I wanna pray for you uh, just to be encouraged today by our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you that you are a good father, that you love us, that you're there to help us, that Lord, even as maybe some of us have lost a dad, and there's a piece of us that feels like we're missing. And uh, we need the closeness of that experience and that relationship. We find that in you. Lord, I, I thank you, Father, as well, that you, can, that you are a model to us of, and a ministry uh, to us. And you want to work through us. So, Lord, as we sing this song, good Father, would you help reconnect the dots maybe in our hearts and our minds? the great love and the family that we have in a relationship with you and all of us together, our brothers and sisters, through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.